Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your host, Jake Burns. I want to talk real quick before we get to our Saturday Prospect Edition um, about a tweet that I posted and uh, people just losing nuance in football. And it's it's about a tweet that I put out after watching all of Jamar Chase's snaps about, hey man, I think he plays a really similar way to Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I think they're almost identical players. Now, Jamar Chase, obviously very talented. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones very talented. Could I have phrased that and said maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones is like 80% of Jamar Chase? Maybe, probably could have framed it better. But the point is, I think it's a pretty similar player who wins vertically down the football field, doesn't have a ton of route nuance, and again, thrive down the field. Jamar Chase, as we've seen so far this year, makes his money pushing down the football field the same way Donovan Peoples-Jones does. And if you look at the career of Peoples-Jones and the types of catches that he has had, you'll see a player that has won down the football field. And it's just funny that people can't look at, well, they'll look at box scores to justify one player's better than the other. And the point of the tweet was not to say like, like, (laughs) Jamar Chase is not good. He's really good. I also tend to think Donovan Peoples-Jones is really good, but it's an opportunity-based situation. Obviously, he's not going to get the same target share over his first two years as a sixth-round pick fighting up the depth chart between a group of established wide receivers. It's different with Chase. He comes in as like, whatever, you know, a top-five pick. He's obviously going to get reps and targets and all of it right away. So, People just get mad and and they they fail to understand the nuance and what I'm talking about. I, again, probably could have framed the tweet to saying they're identical players differently, uh, because I don't know. I I if you go watch the film, I need you to tell me what Jamar Chase does better, higher level than Donovan Peoples Jones, and show me. I'm willing to see it if you show me what that is. I think they both went down the field really really well. It's just the Browns don't. They don't pump targets to any one player. And that's like a the, the Kubiak-Shanahan offense has never been that way. And like, okay, they, they rotate guys in. They obviously like the relationship that Rashard Higgins has. Jarvis Landry stays at the top. You got two guys paid very well getting snaps in front of him. So again, and I could point out seven or eight clips I have of targets that he should have received this year. So again... Jamar Chase is hyper-talented. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones can be pretty dang good, and I think he's a very similar football player, almost identical, maybe a little less talented version, but that's why I think the Browns have their X of the future, that position wide receiver. I'm going to write about it at some point, but the tweet was taken way out of line, and like I had to delete it because people are just, they're for lack of a better word, just assholes about things they don't agree with or don't want to seek understanding about what I'm talking about. Obviously, Jamar Chase has more opportunity. That's what that's what opportunity cost is in the NFL between a first and a sixth. But don't tell me because one guy was picked in the first, one was picked in the sixth. That means there's a, there's a wide discrepancy of talent. That's asinine. It's a silly way to look at the way the, the, the talent procuring in the NFL 
Makes sense. Guys are selected late all the time because their college situation sucked or they didn't get enough opportunities or whatever. So don't don't do that, man. Like that's not that's not a logical argument. I'm willing to have somebody show me all of the things that Jamar Chase does infinitely better. Like it's not a thing, like infinitely better. So I'll wait for that. He'll keep producing. You can keep bringing that tweet up, whatever. But understand the point of what I'm saying is not it's not to replicate the talent necessarily, but I think they're identical players in the play style and the way they go about the way they go about the position. So whatever. Get mad at me. I'm over it. I moved on. Just wanted to lay some context to that. Let's get over to our Saturday edition with Mr. Stephen Thomas, where we talk through his latest OBR mock draft. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, time for our Saturday mock. Mr. Stephen Thomas, how are you, sir? I am uh, living the dream. Life is a cabaret, all that kind of stuff. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I love I love it. I look forward to that uh, cabaret quote every time. I'm okay. It's uh, <laughs> We're recording this for everybody who does not know. Steve has important life things happening over the next week, so we are getting this recorded on a Tuesday. So if somebody in the college football world on our list here has something mind-blowingly crazy happen to them, we didn't know yet. So we're going to draft for this week. He's putting out his mock draft. These are the players going up in the Wednesday article linked in the bio of this episode. You can find the direct link to the OBR article. I encourage you to do so. It's out there. You can read more about these players. His write-ups are fantastic. But we like to take you through and talk about him, too. You pick 26 once again, as has been the trend. Zach Harrison, first-round pick. Give me what you like about Zach. I know we, we gonna, there's going to be some, some uh, Odafe Owe things with Zach Harrison, right? Or maybe the production isn't great, but he's going to test off the chart, Steve. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's freakish. I mean, there's absolutely no other way to say it. His athletic <clears throat> ability is bananas it's it's what you like to see his his athletic ability i would say and, and i don't say this lightly is in the same universe as miles garrett's was off the edge but his ability to play the position is not um he's he could get there still i mean the thing with him is still especially with the injury he's going through right now his sample size is still relatively small for especially for a guy you're talking about uh, drafting day one, and he's definitely in the day one conversation right now, ranked you know mostly early day two on most of the boards. But uh, he he can easily play himself into day one. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. I mean, all of this stuff is 
is right there. He's listed at 6'6", 270. I mean, what more could you want? He's got vines for arms. He's strong like a bull. Uh, his, his burst off the snap is fantastic. But his bend is is ankle flexion and all those other words, those buzzwords that you hear over and over during draft season to the point where you become numb to them and they really don't mean that much anymore. It's not what you would want. It's not that he can't bend at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. It's just for a day one pass rusher, you would like to see more. You'd like to see more counters uh, in his pass rush arsenal. If he doesn't win right, right away, I mean, his, and this, there's something, and you know this, Jake, there's, you have to uh, differentiate between uh, motor which he has. It's not like he quits on a play or anything. That's not what I'm saying. His motor is relentless. But if he doesn't win with his first move, he has not yet developed a, a wide enough array of counter moves to go ahead and win the rep immediately. He, he would need the play to be extended because then his motor can take over and he can certainly chase guys down in that, in that kind of a scenario. He's, if he comes back, and uh, last I heard, he was going to be ready for this week. Now, that could not be the end up not being the case, but I think he's going to be ready. Um, and he shows improvement in these areas. He shows more consistent speed to power uh, and those sorts of things. Then, you know, everything I just said gets taken out the window. These are just the things that we needed to see him improve on coming into this year. And it looked like he started to in that Minnesota game, but then there were some other things that didn't look like they had moved, and then he got hurt. And, you know, so uh, he's definitely still in the day one conversation, and you're absolutely right. He's going to test like a freak. Uh, if if we are back to the normal uh, combine testing and, you know, the normal draft season again, his testing numbers are going to be the ones that set social media on fire for a week immediately after it happens. But if he doesn't produce – and he doesn't show the agility. Uh, the three cone is a big one for the rusher or for pass rushers. Um, then I think he'll probably end up being on day two. Yeah, he is doing okay this season from a metric standpoint. He has an 84.1 defensive grade for Ohio State, 85.8 pass rush with seven total pressures, five hurries, one hit, one sack, right. nine total tackles, nine total stop plays, a forced fumble. So those those metrics are fine, but when we get into first round picks, and especially guys at the end of the first round, where maybe you gotta, you know, strengthen the microscope just a little bit to figure mm -hmm. out some things. You're you're spot on about a lot of your analysis. We will keep seeing the uh, Zach Harrison portfolio can like develop. He's got some big games coming against some big opponents this week. They play a pretty good Rutgers team. They play him at three thirty. Rutgers gave Michigan everything they could handle last week. So 3.30 kick uh, on Saturday, and you can check them out, and they'll need their defense to play well to win that game. Second-round pick, another guy we've talked about, but it was guy, a guy who's showing out in Maryland is going to keep going up boards a little bit. That's Dante Demas Jr. Yeah, you want to talk about a guy that I'm excited to see the testing. Holy cow. I mean, in high school, he had a 37-inch vertical, and he's only gotten bigger and stronger since then. So, it, again, if we're back to a normal combine testing thing, he could be one of those guys that we all just go, wow, and they share the clip of this jump and that drill over and over and over, one of those guys. But that's not all he is. He's not just a combine warrior. He's currently leading the Big Ten in uh, uh, total uh, receiving yards. He's averaging 111 yards receiving a game. He's got 20-something, 25, 26 consecutive games with a reception. Um, he, he can score from anywhere on the field. Six, two and a half, 217 is what he's listed at. If he comes in anywhere close to that and runs in the four fours, 
he's definitely going to be coveted by a lot of people because if you have the height, weight, speed at the wide receiver position and you produce like he has, uh, and then the finer aspects of his game are also pretty darn good, you're you're gonna you're gonna draw a lot of eyes. And this is yet another really strong uh, wide receiver room or, or class. At least it's shaping up to be uh, to this point. And uh, he's uh, he, he's quickening out of his breaks. He's got big, strong hands. He's a hands catcher. And for a guy as big and wide and heavy as he is, I mean, obviously he knows how to use that to box out defenders and he's good in contested catch situations. But as we often say on this program and other places, what we've learned over the past few years, especially in the modern NFL, is that can't be the only thing in your arsenal as a, as a wide receiver. You can't rely on just winning contested catches. If you can't separate at the collegiate level, the odds are very low. You're going to learn how to separate at the NFL level and Demas separates a lot. I mean, he's, and, and it's not like he's, when you think about guys that separate over the middle, you tend to think of the Hunter Renfro types or the, the Julian Edelman types that are really quick and, and fidgety, you know, in their movements. And he's not like that. He's just, he's got subtle movements and, and uh, sharpness to his cuts and breaks that creates some space over the middle. He can win deep. Uh, he can go up and high point the ball. There's really just, there's very little about his game uh, that you that you don't like. Obviously, like most wide receivers at the collegiate level these days, you need to see a bit, bit bigger of a route tree, and you like him to sharpen up some of his releases and that kind of thing. That's just normal stuff. But as far as a guy who has all the tools you could possibly want, and with the Browns looking next year like one or two of those big contracts and the top names in the wide receiver room might not be here beyond this year, adding a guy with Demas's skill set to the existing room of Anthony Schwartz and DPJ and and you know whoever is still around, it's an enticing prospect. They would have a, a, a bevy of big, strong, fast guys who can go inside and outside and complement each other well. Yeah, 6'3", 217, big dude. He's caught 24 of 31 targets. Reminder that the younger Tungavailoa brother is the quarterback at Maryland. They're a fun watch right now, 4-0. Huge game. He's good, game. too. He is good. For a huge game coming up, Friday, 8 o'clock kickoff. The Big Ten has decided, for whatever reason, to put some games on Fridays the past few years. <laughs> and uh, I will I will be a sucker. I'll be tuned into that game. I'll be watching it. His grades this year, he's a 75.8 offensive grade. He's a 75.9 receiving grade. Uh, average distance of target is 8.8. .8, so that's gone down as he's been targeted more this year. He's continued to be more of an outside receiver than ever in his career. He is a lined up wide 97.2% of snaps while he was in the slot in the mid eighties, the last two, sorry, wide, the mid eighties, he was a 17.2% slot rate in 2019, 10.7 in 2020. So they're featuring him as that X solo receiver. Right. He uh, only has two drops on those targets this year. He's he's forced five missed tackles. He's already at the 15 first down catch number that he has eclipsed. Uh, he's tied his number from last year. And he is a. This is a big number, Steve. He's a 150.9 quarterback rating when he's targeted. That's that's a fantastic number. A 10.4 yards per reception number, going for already 446 yards. He will easily eclipse his 2019 full season when he had 629 yards. So keep your eye on him. That'll be a great game Friday night to watch to key in on a uh, maybe not so well known wide receiver target in a loaded class. Next pick number 90, Travis Jones. I know we've talked about Travis a little bit. Uh, we had him in another draft, but you give me your skinny on him real quick, Steve. Yeah, it's it, he's one of those guys that uh, if you're going to watch his film, try not to pay attention to the rest of the team because <laughs> you know you hate you hate to pick on UConn because they're just getting their brains hammered in every week. But man, is that a bad situation? So you really have to kind of laser focus 
on Travis Jones because the rest got, of it. This one, Steve, you got, you got you got UConn Vanderbilt matching up. We know that Vanderbilt went for as many yards as Georgia did points last <laughs> week, so that might be the ultimate stink bowl on Saturday at seven thirty. If you want to watch that, but go ahead, buddy. UConn has a chance for a W, a rare chance for a W there. Uh, so yeah, if you if you get a chance, go in and watch Travis Jones on that. He's played he played one tech mostly early, but he's shown they've given him a little more leeway this year in the small sample size to uh, you know do some shade and and even line up at the three a few times. And his pass rush moves are much improved. I mean, he's six four three thirty. He came in at six four three sixty five. And he took his uh, he's lost 35 pounds, but he has uh, also uh, increased his muscle mass and his uh, body fat content has gone down to some ridiculous number, you know, the 8 percent or something stupid like that. He's, he's really rocked himself up and that has helped because when you're big, um, you know, 330, 340, 350 pounds, obviously you can two gap and you can, you know, eat up double teams and that old school space eater, you know, interior defensive line type guy. But in the modern NFL, you have to show at least something in the passing game. And he's done that this year. He's been, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not Miles Garrett winning, you know, uh, edge rushers at that, that percentage or anything like that, but he's shown more this year than he has in years past. And in this class, that might be enough to push him up even higher than this uh, in day two. If they can snag a guy like Travis Jones on day two, uh, I would be very happy because, as we all know, the uh, interior defensive line for this year, much better than we thought uh, it was going to be as recently as a month or so ago. We were all pretty worried about it in the uh, in the preseason. But beyond this year, much like a lot of other plays, there's so many rooms that are like this on the Browns this year. This year, they're okay. But next year, Malik Jackson's on a one-year deal. We don't know the deal with Malik McDowell's contract. I, I've seen varying reports on whether he's an ERFA or what next year. I have no idea. Andrew Billings has basically been invisible. We still don't really know much about Jordan Elliott. And Tommy Togiai is a long-term project. So there's a very good chance that they will be targeting interior defensive line, both in free agency and with their top 100 picks. And Travis Jones is a guy that fits all of the metrics. He's under the age guardrail, so keep your eyes on him if you can. Yeah, he's produced well. He's had a, he had a great game against Purdue in Week 2 where he had four total pressures. He's got eight on the year. They played Army. They don't throw enough to really get pressures. But in the Army game, he had a nice effort with a 70.4 grade. He's got six stop tackles on the year, nine total tackles, a pretty good player that you should you should try to find your eyes to him. And if that just means highlights at the end of the year, that's okay too. But he's a, he's a fun player. Number 57 is what Travis Jones wears for UConn. And like we said, Coming up, uh, I think that's Saturday, October 2nd. They have a 7.30 kick against Vanderbilt in the Toilet Bowl. Now the next uh, player up is, well, this one's tricky because the, there's an injury, right, Steve? So Zion, I think it's Tupelau Fetui. Fetui? I think I got that right. I don't know. It's probably one of my better efforts in a while. Edge player, edge player for Washington who's coming back. He's trying to come back from an Achilles rupture, I believe, and has not quite played this year, but will be a very hot name in draft circles. Yeah, uh, I, I pronounce it ZTF, just okay. so you know. Uh, That's that, fair. That, that it, it's much easier that way. But yeah, he's. Uh, let's talk about that right off the bat because he was high on a lot of the you know super early watch lists for this year. And then in spring practice, he ruptured his Achilles, like in late April. Uh, so immediately you think, you know, an Achilles injury, okay, well, you know, he's definitely going to take a redshirt medical year and come back and, you know, this and that and everything else. 
about a month ago, we say he's he's already out of the boot. He's starting to jog. He's starting to do this, and they're expecting him back on the field in November, which is, I, I mean, you know, cartoon level like type stuff. I'm, are you kidding me? Um, now, it, obviously, that's still a couple months off. It remains to be seen if that actually happens and what he looks like uh, when that happens. But if he comes back and he shows that he's healthy and it's not bothering him and he's even close to what he was before the injury, you have to assume that he'll round back into form, you know, as he gets healthy over the coming months of the draft cycle. And that could push him up uh, really high. And I should note here, this week's, we should have done this at the top, this week's draft, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I just said, hey, let's not draft any offensive linemen this week. And so then we can look at different positions at different levels of the draft. And so that's why we're not drafting any offensive linemen this week. And it, it allowed us to take a fourth round shot at an injury guy like this, because before he was injured, uh, he is, he's, he's, first of all, he's big. He's got size, he's 6'4", 265. He's actually probably a little bigger than that, but he moves like a linebacker. He's, he's really good in that defense that they run out there uh, in Husky land. He drops into zone, shallow zone quite frequently, and he does it pretty well. Uh, he can bend the arc with the best of them. At least he could before the injury. That's one of the things you have to see. He converts speed to power. His straight line speed, as far as chasing stuff down and uh, you know from the backside, is ridiculous. And he's strong as an ox. He will just walk the tackle right back into the quarterback's lap more often than not. So again, he's one of those guys that has all of the height, weight, speed, athleticism things that you want. And if he hadn't gotten injured, he would be firmly in that day one talk. He'd be up there in the in in roughly Aiden Hutchinson land uh, as far as rankings. But right now, uh, at least until he comes back, he's still, you know, early to mid day three on all these boards because nobody knows what's going to happen. And an Achilles is a very serious thing. But if he comes back and shows health like Grant Delpit has, he could easily uh, push himself back up into day two. Uh, and, and boy, would he be a welcome addition across from Miles Garrett, because again, another position group, we don't know the contract situation of everybody behind Miles beyond this year. All very good points. It is a mystery. He, the player will have to emerge for them at that position, whether through free agency or the draft. I, I, I mean, I guess, listen, I, Clowney's playing really well. If he can continue on this path, there will be some mm-hmm. consideration to bring him back in some mm-hmm. sort of form or fashion. But we keep our eyes forward on how they can replace cheap options, and this is a great idea of a cheap option. It looks like Achilles injuries these days are something that most players come back from over varying degrees of success initially but uh, we feel good about grant delpit so far another washington player is up next pick 128 kyler gordon a cornerback what do you like about kyler again another super athletic guy watching two years of andrew berry uh, obviously you and i we discussed the age guard rail to death that's one thing honestly that's the first thing i do anymore it's kind of like when i was in my 20s and single if i was out someplace and i saw a woman that i thought was attractive the first thing i would do would be look at her ring finger on her left hand because i'm not <laughs> going to waste my time looking anywhere else yeah. if that you know what i mean so if i see somebody and i like a even if it's just a highlight clip you know i go oh that guy's interesting the first thing i do is look at their birthday because if they're outside the guardrail i'm not wasting my time because he's not going to do it the, the next thing i look for is their athleticism metrics and then after that you go to production and then you start breaking down the technique and all that kind of stuff and you look at this guy and his athleticism metrics are, are fantastic i mean he's uh, a six foot listed at 200 he runs exceptionally fast he's got all kinds of athletic ability his issue coming into this year was like a lot of guys at the collegiate level that supreme athleticism has allowed him to be lax 
in his technique uh, because he can get away with it. Well, it appears, at least in the early going for Washington's defense, that he's learned his lesson because his technique looks to be improved. Uh, he's mirroring better. His hips are pretty fluid. Um, he's got his hands on a couple of balls. He picked off two against Cal. And uh, on top of all of that, if he remains in this range, early day three, of course you would like to get you know somebody who can come in and start and be a heavy rotational player in the coverage unit. Of, of course you would. But at this point, you start thinking about other things they can contribute. And this guy is a special teams maniac. He is almost unblockable as a gunner on the punt team. He loves to race down the field. He delivers massive hits. Uh, and he is a sure tackler, uh, not only on special teams, but in the uh, in the secondary. So if you're looking at, you know, where was he? 128. If this is the range where he ends up, he's the kind of player that you target, because if this is the point in the draft, you never want to force a position. But at a certain point on day three, it becomes even less important. It becomes about athleticism. It becomes about getting the best football players, regardless of position and all that kind of stuff. And he's got the kind of tools that secondary coaches at the NFL level will love to try and work with because they can go, yeah, I can fix these two things. Boy, he can be really good and he can be a steal for where we got him. Yeah, he's off to a hot start. 75.1 grade, 75.5 coverage metric. He is Two interceptions, two pass breakups, which are his best ball pr production in his career, which is great to see. 21 tackles. Um, the four missed tackles, you know, it's cornerback play, give or take. Seven stop tackles, you like to see that on the higher side of forced fumble. 12 targets, 21, sorry, 21 targets, 12 catches his direction, 157. He has not given up a touchdown. So the metrics are solid. He plays more. Uh, let me double check here for his alignment snap count. He is definitely an outside guy. Only four slot snaps, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, six foot two hundred, ideal cornerback size. If you want to watch Kyler Gordon, he is number two for Washington. They play Oregon State this week. They started off ugly. Uh, Washington did. They lost a game. Who did they lose to? Montana State. Montana, Montana week one, bounced uh, bounced to Michigan. Got got drubbed there, and then. Uh, beat Arkansas State in a nice uh, nice win over Cal last week, so they're going to try to keep getting back on the right path. That is a 9 p.m. Pac-12 after dark kick against Oregon State. Next pick, and it, this is good. The last three names we have not heard on these podcasts yet. Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State. Going to keep looking at tight ends. I know Cleveland will. Talk about uh, Trey McBride. Yeah, he's one of these guys. I said it in the article. If you've read it, you'll you'll know this already. That people, he's he's a guy that most people will say, oh, he'll he'll never be there. This is a no way in hell guy pick, and I happen to agree with him on this one. I think by the end of the the process, he's going to be ranked much higher than where he is right now. But this is where he is right now at this time. We can only pick him uh, from the board that's presented to us, and he's a guy that he's a little. When you talk about uh, the age guardrail, it, it varies a little bit from position to position, and you want to go even younger generally with tight ends because it's such a slow developing position in the NFL. And he he's under the age guardrail; he'll be 22 uh, during the draft. But that means that if he takes three to four years to develop, as David Njoku has now, he's 26, 27 by the time you're looking at that second contract. So. I don't know if that would fit Andrew Barry, but the player himself, he's he's big. I mean, he's he's six uh, five, I believe, and listed at two sixty. But for a guy listed at two sixty, he moves kind of like David Njoku does. That's not a player comp. Don't take that the wrong way. But he reminds me a little bit of the Chief in the way he moves. He's very fluid. He's very athletic out there for a two hundred and sixty pound guy. He loves to break tackles. Um, he's very good at it. He's willing. 
in the in in the uh, uh, blocking aspect of the position, but like most tight ends at the collegiate level, going to take some time. I mean, you know, it's very rare that you get a blocking tight end that comes into the NFL and blocks well what you would consider well right away. It just takes time at that position. So he's got good hands. He understands how to find a soft spot in the zones. He's got more, like I said, he moves well. He's got way more yak ability than you would think for a 260-pound tight end. And uh, he had a, a big day either last week or the week before in the Colorado State game, if I remember right. Uh, and if he stacks a few more of those, he could talk himself into the uh, late day two area of conversation. Yeah, big dude, 6'4", 260, has... Uh clearly put up his best offensive metrics this year 92.4 receiving grade this year 37 catches on 52 target targets for 402 steve great numbers uh one touchdown he is uh he's played some wide snaps 10 wide snaps 29 slot snaps 118 inline so we can do the traditional tight end stuff he has 14 contested target opportunities and he has six of those he's converted into catches, three forced missed tackles, 24 catches for first downs, all things you like to see. Uh, putting up 88.4 total offensive grade for the year, like I said, which is uh, it's all it's all very good. The blocking stuff, we can check that real quick because, uh, you know, we care about blocking here uh, at the at the OBR. He is, uh, he's done decently this year. He's had some, some mm-hmm. high 50s grades. Again, I don't think he's a guy known for the blocking stuff, but... He's been okay, right. and again, you just have to be serviceable. If you got a niche as a guy who can go out and catch the dang ball, just be serviceable. So we'll break down that tape later on in the draft process, but keep your eyes on Trey McBride, number 85 for Colorado State. They are actually off this weekend. They will be back on October 9th uh, when they play San Jose State. So a fun tight end prospect there. A couple more picks left, guys. Pick 204 is Micah McFadden, the linebacker from Indiana. Man, this guy's fun. Uh, I, I meant to call you earlier today, say uh, Jake, and say, hey, man, you need to look at this guy. Um, he is super quick. His closing speed is – we've talked about JOK, that when he recognizes a play, when he reads it correctly, he's he's like a blur. McFadden's not that fast. JOK is in a class by himself. But when he sees the play and finds the lane, he's really fast downhill. He has the same kind of um, – instinctive knack for timing the delayed blitz like JOK has shown. Uh, he's solid in coverage. He's, I said in the article, he's lucky that he's coming out now and not six to 10 years ago because he's a little bit undersized. He's 6'2", about 225, 230. I don't know where Indiana has him listed this year, but he would be, you know, quote unquote, undersized, too small, or, you know, whatever you call him six, eight, 10 years ago. But more and more teams are starting to catch on to the modern NFL linebacker, as it's colloquially referred to. And he is absolutely one of those. He's the Mike. Uh, he calls all the plays. He knows where everybody is supposed to be. He's relentless in his motor. Uh, he'll chase plays 35 yards downfield. Uh, I put I put a, a play in the article where he 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 run fit. Then he he, he bit he, he bit on the play fake. So he up in his run fit. Then he dropped into his zone and then he chased the uh, quarterback all the way to the sideline and got him for what eventually turned out to be a sack. He covered probably 70 yards of grass on one play and did it with just burst after burst after burst. So uh, solid tackler, uh, reliable tackler, but he's going to have to find 
the right fit. And Cleveland, I think, is one of the right fits because they, you know, they're trending towards those smaller, quicker, faster coverage linebackers. So uh, especially if he hangs around in this area of the draft, McFadden could be. I don't think they need to target a linebacker next year. They got a lot of youth uh, and promise in the room right now. But at this point in the draft, if he's around, always love adding a guy like this who can also contribute on special teams. Yeah, the stuff here is great from his numbers perspective. 6'2", 232. I've seen him. I'd be surprised if he's 232. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's always the uh, program number, right, to put it in the brochure or the program. Uh, he had right. an 85.8 grade <laughs> last year in 426 snaps. He had an 85.8 total, 72.1 run defense, 90.8 pass rush, 67.2 coverage. He actually was... The last two years, he's been highly productive in rush scenarios. 31 pressures in 2019, 28 mm-hmm. pressures in 2020, including six sacks, five hits, and 17 hurries, 45 tackles. He did miss 22 tackles in 2019, but he cut that way down to just eight missed tackles. That's a that that's the stuff you want as his career has gone on. Down mm-hmm. to eight missed tackles last year, only three missed tackles this year, and uh, I believe he has upward of 15 tackles and seven assist tackles and 12 stop tackles, which is great. Two forced fumbles already this year. Only given up 31 yards in coverage, a pass breakup. He's had two interceptions each of the last two years. Does not have one this year. But boy, is he flexible. 165 box snaps, 18 in the slot this year, 18 along the interior D-line when asked to blitz. 76, or sorry, a 78.8 total defensive grade this year. 92.2 pass rush, so that's a great niche for him, man. Tackling better and a 76.3 coverage mark, which means that is also getting better. So keep the name Micah McFadden from Indiana. Defensive, uh, he's a linebacker. He's number 47. They play a big game. Indiana's been up and down to start the year. Lost a game to Iowa where they got beat around the opener, and then they lost that game to Cincinnati. I didn't think they had any business losing last week. They go to Penn State for a 7:30 kickoff this weekend, a primetime game. They're two and two, trying to bounce back to three and two. Number forty-seven, Micah McFadden. Keep your eye on him. And then we close with pick two twenty-four, which is Zach Pickens, interior D lineman from South Carolina. Talk about him if you can. Yeah, quick note on uh, Micah McFadden. I'm making an early prediction. He gets a ton of buzz in Mobile for Senior Bowl week. He just seems like the kind of player that, you know, especially at a program like Indiana, flies under a lot of national radars for most of the season, despite all those numbers that you said, but then just explodes onto the scene in Mobile and ends up going a lot higher than people think right now. Zach Pickens, uh, another, you know, big, athletic, strong, fast guy, could very well go much, much, much earlier than this, but he's ranked pretty low on the Draft Network's board right now. He's uh, 6'3", over 300 pounds. Uh, He was running back in high school, and you can watch him for two minutes, and you can see that athleticism because he's got burst off the line. He's got strength. If if he's chasing a play down, he doesn't run like a 310-pound interior defensive lineman. He runs like a a guy who used to be a fullback. Um, And uh, he's he's strong. He's got a bull rush. He's got a a few hand moves. But he's he's one of those guys that has – and I hate to say it this way because it sounds a lot worse than it actually is. He hasn't really lived up to the hype just yet. He's more athletic ball of clay than finished football player at this point. That doesn't mean he can't continue to improve. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. It just means that, you know, he came in with, you know, he was Mr. Football in South Carolina, a five-star recruit, one of those guys, and has sort of relied on that natural, get those natural gifts uh, to this point. Now, early in the year this year, he's been showing out. He's been playing pretty well. 
And so it looks like he put in a ton of work in the offseason. And if he continues that, he's going to make somebody very happy on the interior of the defensive line because he can hold it. He can hold his gap and he can penetrate uh, equally well. I think that's pretty fair about not living up to expectations quite yet. Uh, I think this happens. We've seen it happen with quite a few guys, even some guys not living up to things on the Ohio State roster. It's just outperforming sometimes your 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 uh, your rating coming in, right? That pressure can mount up. He has not produced all too well, only a 61.6 grade. He's been low 60s in his time uh, at South Carolina. He's got four pressures on the quarterback this year with a sack included and a couple stop tackles, three stop tackles, four total tackles on the year. Just got to take a look at him. If he tests well, this is where we get to this point, Steve. You know, it's it's uh, it's Marvin Wilson-like stuff, right? Where you come in, can you can you perform? Then can you test well? If you don't perform well, maybe you don't gather stats at the college level, you better test really well. So if mm-hmm, Pickens does, mm-hmm. comes out, does come out, he will have to test really well. Uh, South Carolina just got their ego bruised by Georgia last week. I think a lot of teams will have that issue this year. They uh, they host Troy at 3.30 on Saturday, and he is number six. If you get a single digit, that means they like you. So we'll see if Pickens can uh, pick it up, no pun intended, by the end of the year. Steve, Wink this up. is a blast, man, all the time. We're doing these every week. Steve will try to put different names on here as best he can within reason so we can talk about different players. Hopefully you're learning something. Always open to suggestions if somebody hits me up and you got an idea for one of these that can be fun. Otherwise... We're going to keep doing what we're doing because I think it's pretty fun. I'm learning about these prospects before I ever did any year before, and that's because of the OBR's draft guru, Mr. Stephen Thomas. We appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks for having me on, brother. That's an end to our show today. Thanks, Stephen, for coming on. Appreciate his time as usual and all the hard work that he puts into those mock drafts to, uh, to kind of find the clips and find the players and give you understanding of who they are. I know these aren't the most pertinent things in week four of an NFL season, but if you follow these all year, I keep saying you're going to have a great head start on who the best draft prospects are when the when the calendar flips. So, uh, again, reminder, we had all of our fun stuff. We usually had comprehensive breakdowns, both both offense, defense. Jordan Zerm was on this week. Our usual John Colosimo uh, visit. Our usual time spent with... Uh, with our Behind Enemy Lines segment, Nick Olson was great. If you're listening this far into the pod, you probably have listened to those, but I wanted to remind you, we will have a pregame show tomorrow where I have time with Brad Ward for the Sunday uh, early early risers. Then we have our Twitch pregame and our postgame show, and uh, we'll have a fun Sunday guest for you as well. A reminder, if you have not left a review for this pod, please do so with your Twitter handle, and I will I will put you in a drawing to win a free Browns film breakdown. Back when it was Browns film, we started those hats. Now OBR film breakdown. We'll uh, put you in the drawing to win that. If you're interested, if you've already done a review, show me the review or tell me about the review in the replies to the tweet on both the OBR film BDN and uh, my, my at Jake underscore Burns 18 account. So again, get in that drawing if you'd like. And if you don't like, that's okay too. No harm, no foul. I appreciate you listening to this podcast regardless. So until next time, your game day podcast tomorrow for the Browns versus Vikings. We'll catch you then. Have a great Saturday. Go Browns.